Yeah. So what I'd like to talk about today, and uh, then I'd like to go into a breakout um, pretty early on, as you all saw in my high-tech uh, announcement yesterday about practice, spiritual practice. What is this spiritual practice business? And uh, what is this all about? Why are we doing this? So let's dive right in. I know all of you here have had some form of a practice, whether you would call it that or not, could be as simple as a cup of coffee in the morning or writing. Maybe it's yoga, asana, mostly meditation is the practice that seems to come up in question when it comes to uh, spiritual teachings like this. But really, let's talk about what is the quote-unquote purpose of practice. We're going to chunk this down a little bit here. And everybody has all of these concepts and ideas about why we practice. And when we look at in yoga, in asana, and there are some sincere yogis on this call. So, you know, I might, I'm probably going to get it wrong. And that's totally cool. But when we have the eight-limbed yoga practice the teachings of Patanjali what I like to talk about is a lot of people don't even realize that in that linear system in that linear system which implies time and space right it implies cause and effect what is the role of asana of yoga is actually is it to great have a great body could be but really what it is originally was to to calm the body enough for it to be even able to sit comfortably so that it could even hear the teachings or and to be able to sit comfortably in order to be able to sit period in meditation and contemplation if the body is aching and distracting, then one isn't even going to be able to have one-pointed awareness. And there's that word awareness. And ultimately, quote unquote, what is the purposefulness of meditation? Awareness, yes, but ultimately, it comes to samadhi, the realization of oneness, self-realization. And there are different forms of samadhi. There's the awareness of samadhi, where one is still there. One is still there. And then there's nirvikalpi samadhi, not even being aware of awareness, totally gone. So let's come now to where we are at. Who is doing the awareing? Where is the awareness arising from? Okay, so this is, I'm bringing this up because some of us may not have ever heard that before what the purpose of asana yoga is, or what was the purpose of meditation. 
So once there is the realization of oneness and the knowing on an embodied level, then what is the purpose of continuing these practices? Great question, right? Okay. Let's come to who is practicing anyway. Who is it that is practicing? Who is meditating? Who is it that is doing the yoga? I have a funny story. There was a uh, an Indian man. He was rather upper class, but he was a rough and tumble upper and upper class one uh, in Mumbai. And he used to come to uh, satsang with Ramesh and me and all of the others. And uh, now I'm definitely not going to be able to post this video. <laughs> Completely sabotaged myself. <laughs> That's okay. The story's worth it. So um, he used to come to uh, to satsang, and sometimes he would he would he would get really high before he would come. And there was this uh, Australian woman, maybe she was an Enneagram one, I do not know, but she was very put off by this. And he she would say, you know, how could you come to satsang and uh, you know chuff up or whatever the Aussie term was for that before before you come to satsang? And and he would say. Who is it that's smoking the joint? Who is smoking the joint? So I just had to share that all with you. And I've completely sabotaged my wonderful talk. Or maybe not. Okay. So let, let's see. We see responsibility comes back. This question. Like who is doing the practice? Who is responsible? We were here last week talking about responsibility. So we know that we the truth of who we are that is seated in the self and as the self, never not the self, is not the doer, is not the individual doer. But the cosmic joke is you as a body-mind are the experiencer and you are subject to, and this is what we talk about, freedom and bondage. You are also subject to the consequences, the outcome of any apparent action. Isn't that interesting? So that's why I talk about freedom and bondage. You still have to live your life as a separate entity. So you still get to have the consequences of this said practice. But those consequences, Keith doesn't like it when I use the word consequences, but I, I I think that's more of a people who have had a moralistic or Catholic upbringing hate that word, but I personally like it. You have to experience the consequences. Okay. So looking at where is the impetus for this practice arising from? Where is this impetus arising from? It's arising out of consciousness itself, right? the idea of doing the practice and whether the practice is actually done is an, is an infinite, it's a result of an infinite number of causes and effects that cannot even be conceived of. It's beyond comprehension. Anyone that thinks that they understand how that's happening is 
full of beans. Because what that is, is pride, hubris. It's usurping the mind of God. It's saying, I've got this. I've got this. I understand this. How could you? How could you understand the infinite? So whether or not one is drinking the coffee or doing the asana or the meditation seems to be happening has never been in anyone's control. All right. So I'd like to bring up one of my favorite Bhagavad Gita quotes. Now, there's a lot in the Gita. And there is a um, great translation from my teacher, Ramesh, that I have the audio version of. I might be able to share. My favorite line of the Gita is from chapter 2, verse 47. It basically boils down to, you have no right to the fruits. That's my little finger-wagger moment. You have no right to the fruits of any apparent action. The actual quote is, you have a right to perform your prescribed duties, quote unquote, duties, but you are not entitled to the fruits of your actions, quote unquote, your actions. Never consider yourself to be the cause of the results of your activities nor be attached to inaction. Check that out. Can't even be attached to inaction. When I was looking that exact quote up this morning, I came up with a great acronym from India has all of these fun little sayings. This acronym is NATO. <laughs> Not attached to outcome. Apparently, all the Indian school children love that one. <laughs> so if this is the case, and we know that we are not the doer of any action, and we are, we have never been in any individual control in this Leela, the question arises then, why practice? And what practice, if any? So the number one point that I want to bring up here is, are you finding this practice helpful? Whatever that might be. Are you finding this practice helpful? You know, some of you are really asking yourself that right now. That's good. Or useful, right? Is this useful for you? Is this, is this working for you? Is this pleasurable? So are you finding it helpful or useful either because you have experienced, because you'd never know if it's gonna bring pleasure in the next moment that you try it, right? You don't know if meditation tomorrow is gonna be good or if yoga is going to be miserable. So either you've experienced regular pleasure from it. So you can kind of, if you're a gambling man or woman, you can gamble and say, oh, you know, it's probably going to give me some pleasure or results. Or another reason that one might practice, and this can be anything again, writing, 
asana, meditation, breathing, nature, plant medicine, whatever your idea of practice is. So another reason that one might practice is because your teacher, your mentor, your guide has suggested it or requested it. And like someone that you would absolutely trust, like a medical doctor or a healer, you have faith and trust in that individual. And you have faith and trust in that insight. So you might give it a whirl. It's another one of my favorite quotes. Give it a whirl. So if you read some of these talks with, with the teachers that I have mentioned many times, you'll notice that someone from Ramana Maharshi to Nisargadatta, even Ramesh had one. They might give a practice, a sadhana to someone to give a, give a try. So again, we're not wiping this off of the face of the planet here. But at a certain point, when you have the complete understanding, that's when it gets really interesting. Okay. So... So we've talked about pleasure or helpfulness. We enjoy the apparent effects of this, the effects of this causeless cause. Most people have some sneaking, lingering, looking for liberation. That's a great alliteration. A lingering looking for liberation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some sneaking yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're the ones that I'm really here for. <laughs> That's the trap. As Ramesh used to say, and I'll do my best toothless act here. Who's to say you're not already enlightened? How do you know, Malcolm, that you are not already enlightened? <laughs> Okay, and now I want to share with you my favorite line from Nisargadatta Maharaj. Liberation is not an acquisition, but a matter of courage. The courage to believe that you are free already and to act on it. Liberation is not an acquisition but a matter of courage, the courage to believe. And I don't know if believe was really the word that was used in um, uh, Marathi, the local language. It doesn't seem right. I can't really imagine that. But sometimes in translation, things get goofy. The courage to believe that you are already free and to act on it. To act, this is what we've talked about. We talked about this last week. Dangerous freedom. right? Free will is here, but it's useless. <laughs> yes, it's real and it's useless. So why not give it a whirl? Okay. So once one knows that there is no nothing to acquire through these practices, we then come back to, does it appear to be helpful? Does it give me pleasure? Okay. 
Let's see if there's any last point here that I want to make. Ah, uh, yeah, there's another third reason why it might still happen, this practicing. Powerlessness, which is really the overall shtick. It keeps happening, damn it. I keep eating the chocolate. I keep sitting in meditation. There I am in another retreat. Malcolm's laughing. It's great. I really wish I was not on mute, but oh, it's wonderful. Do you see what I'm saying? There it is. How long is it going to last? How many trips to India is this going to take? <laughs> so check also, are you, do you have some sneaking intentionality? Ooh, there's a good one. Hmm. Intention. I'm doing this because I need to be a better person. I'm healing the planet. Nothing wrong with any of that. As we've talked about, the development of the human continues. Or it doesn't. It could be devolution in some cases, which is also fine. What I'm interested in is ripping out the roots so that if your nature is a do-gooder, a healer, you're not taking any of that personally. It's just part of the show. So again, I'm very interested to speak to folks who are practicing anything in their life and have this understanding and are still doing it. I'm particularly interested in talking to those folks who are not enjoying this practice, who are not really enjoying it, but they continue to do it. Any Vipassana people out there? Old Vipassana folks, that wasn't so enjoyable, was it? You know why Vipassana 10 days were so great? This is a joke. Because you're liberated at the end of it. You're set free. Feels like the best things ever happened to you. That bliss, that contrast is so big that you think, oh my God, that was the greatest thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> okay. So another point to look at for, for practitioners that I am looking for here, those folks that are not enjoying it, that it is actually causing stress or in some cases to the point of knee surgery, knee replacement, right? Check to see, often these practices are keeping people in a repressed, or I would say not repressed, although that could be a good Freudian slip there, a regressed place. It is regressive. This is what I'm really here for too. Some folks are practicing and it is regressive. It's keeping them in a reinforcement of doership, of involvement, of I am a meditator, I am a Zen practitioner. 
I'm a yogi. As Ramesh liked to say, the whole point is to relax. Okay, I think that's enough talking. Let's do an inquiry right out of the gate. We're not gonna rush into it. Think about a practice or a habit. It can be a habit too, right? That's also a form of practice. Think about some form of a practice you've got going or that you struggled with or that you have some relationship to. Could be anything, could be meditation, writing, um, could be abstinence of something, could be plant medicine, could be, um, yeah, whatever that might be. I'm sure I'm missing a whole block. So asking yourself, why, why in the apparent stream of causation, why am I doing this? What does this appear to be doing for quote unquote me? Okay, I'm gonna leave it there because I, the, the next part of this I could say for another inquiry. And nothing is the goal here except for awareness in this conversation. And you have, you reserve, you can reserve the right to be silent <laughs> for your share. And if that's the case, then the other person would just listen or sit in silence with you. And um, like to go three minutes each and then we'll come back. Okay. Any questions? All right, let me see what I can do here. 